Welcome back guys, video games industry people. Today I'm talking to Jennifer Schneider-Reet. I think I'm saying that wrong, so sorry Jennifer. <laughs> but she uh, is the, the main person, the main dev and creator of Astrologaster. Uh, I spoke to Catherine Neal earlier in the year who was who's writing uh, the, the sort of the, the dialogue and stuff for the game but uh, Jennifer is the driving force behind it so I caught up with her at um, I think it was EGX earlier in the year as well and uh, I did them on the same day but I thought I'd split them up but uh, again completely different viewpoint of her game and uh, she's an interesting lady so do have a listen see you on the other side so I'm here with Jennifer, I can't pronounce your surname. Schneider Live. Um, <laughs> uh, she's a game designer and, and you're a programmer as well, aren't you? I am, yeah. And you've got um, the, uh, the game upstairs. That you're, we're here at uh, EGX Rest and you're, you're pushing a new game, which is out, is it out this year? Yeah, it's coming out at the end of this year or the beginning of the next. We don't know yet, but okay. it's not that far off. Okay, and uh, it's, it's called Astrologizer. Is it? Astrologaster. Astrologaster. And it's basically a comedy um, game. Mm -hmm. And tell me how the game works. So it's a comedy game in which you do Elizabethan astrology. And you are a man called Simon Foreman. And you have a variety of clients. And the clients come to you with questions that uh, can range from that they have a medical problem to I need business advice, to I need marriage counseling, or my dog ran away, where is it? Okay. And you're always trying to help these people in the same way by doing real astrology and trying to figure out what kind of answers are in the stars. And as the astrologer, you have to make a judgment call of what the true meaning of the stars is. And uh, there are short-term and long-term consequences depending on what you tell your clients because your clients will act on your advice and then kind of like hilarity ensues. Okay, And yes. they come back to you and you find out what happened and um, like how they maybe didn't properly understand your advice yes. or there were some un unexpected side effects because of what you said them. And so you're trying to manage these consequences that you're having on these people's lives by doing more astrology okay. and giving them more bad advice. More bad advice. So someone comes to you, marriage problems, you give them advice, they go back, they come back and they say, thanks, I'm getting divorced now, that kind of thing. Yes, that kind of thing, yeah. So now you've got to manage that situation. Yeah. What, and what's kind of the end goal of the game? So the end goal is uh, you want to get your, you have two goals. You want to get your medical license because there's an overarching storyline where the medical establishment of London has it out for you because you're an unlicensed astrologer. Okay. And in order to get your uh, medical astrology license, you need to make enough of your clients happy enough that they write recommendation letters on your behalf. And then the University of Cambridge will issue you your medical license. And the second goal is uh, to see all of the patients and uh, see their whole story arcs. Right. And uh, you need to use like some strategy in order to achieve that. Okay. And it, was this this was your idea? Yes, it's my idea, but it's actually based on real history, because in the 16th century, uh, Simon Foreman had a practice here in London in Lambeth. Okay. And uh, his medicine was terrible but his note keeping was impeccable and his diaries and uh, case books have survived to this very day. Wow. And for the last 25 years, the University of Cambridge have been studying his case books um, because they are interesting to see what kind of problems like 
people had back in the day. Okay. And you can create kind of like social relationship charts of yes. all of his patients. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's super fascinating, but we are not doing a dry history game. Like we are doing a comedy best of, of course, in a yes. sense of uh, kind of like all of these people that came to Simon Foreman and asked him for advice. So, but the, the, the stuff in the game, is that based on some of these, these yes. notes? All of it is based on these notes. And the historians who work at the University of Cambridge, uh, the, the, lead, the project lead is a professor called Lauren Cassell. They're consulting on the game and they're helping us to find oh, wow. these like funny clients and really bizarre cases. Amazing. including parrots and potatoes amazing <laughs> and they're the most insane things that you can imagine this is a really interesting game what why how did you even come up with this idea mm -hmm. to base it on like an actual astrologer from the past so about three years ago i met uh, lauren at a workshop kind of like game developers meet historians okay and she presented her work and uh, i kept coming back to it because i found um the story at the same way so bizarre that there was this man who fancied himself a doctor yes who was a, a medical astrologer in a way right but he was really successful at it and he wasn't i mean people think that he was a charlatan that he did that he on purpose manipulated people but that's the thing he didn't he actually really believed in the astrology i see and he thought that he was really helping people yes um, but obviously we can look at his case books and we can see how effective his work was and we can we know that he actually didn't know anything okay and uh, i just found this i don't know just really fascinating because we hear a lot about the famous people in history you know everybody knows shakespeare and queen elizabeth yeah but you don't really know like who are people like you and i you know like the little people yeah like what were our problems at the time what were our fears worries and dreams and mm. how does this uh you know how does this manifest in a conversation with your physician you know with your gp right. it's basically 16th century gp um and what these people are talking about and uh, it's really interesting to look at that kind of dynamics, social dynamics, and uh, to see how many parallels are there to nowadays. <laughs> yeah. That actually the people, you know, the problems that people had in the 16th century, a lot of are the same problems that we have nowadays. It's just that we, we don't go to our doctor or to our astrologer to get help with these mm. problems, right? And, and maybe 400 years before that, people were going to their priest. Yeah. with these problems mm. but that so have you found that um the problems are basically all right there's no facebook then but the problems are the same then as they as they are now yeah, pretty much he had like he had, his case books are the facebook of the 16th century yeah. yes <laughs> that's so interesting um and then you decided to make that into a comedy game so how, how long has the game been um developed now for so I did a lot of work on the concept and doing a kind of like the history research and to figure out how this could be turned into a game. And then we started developing it properly uh, last year, yeah, in 2017 in January. So it's been in development a little bit over a year. Okay. Now. And how far along the lot are you releasing this year, are you? Yeah, we're either releasing at the end of this year or beginning of the next. So what we have at the moment is uh, we have a good vertical slice of the game. So we know what the features are, how the game plays, the interface, yeah. the controls. Yeah. Um, but we need to make we need to make a lot more content at the moment. I see. I see. Okay. 
because um, this is your second game, isn't it? It is, yes. Because the first game, it was... This, by the way, you do all the art for this, do you? Is it... No, I'm the lead designer and director. Okay, okay. So, um, but you did the... Uh, it was like a Japanese pop-up book mm -hmm. was your, your previous game. Yes. And that did really well. I mean, I was just... You know, you won awards for it mm -hmm. and it's across different formats and stuff. So have you... Is it the same team, basically, that's... So it's two of the, it's, it's not the same team, so I'm the same and the, my technical director Phil Tossel is the same person. Okay. So he both and I started um, Tengami is the name of our previous game, which is an atmospheric adventure in a Japanese pop-up book. Yes. And uh, we are reusing, so we developed our own engine to create these realistically folding pop-ups in a digital environment mm. and we are reusing the engine for this for the new game Astrologaster and the idea behind it is that we are bringing the case a case book of Simon Foreman to life yes. as a pop-up book okay <laughs> as a playable it's like a playable case book yeah right right and again that that uh, previous idea that that was yourself again was that, that together with Phil yeah with Phil okay and the new game uh, yeah it's, I came up with it on my yeah, it's my concept. Because these are really original, they're very original ideas. Yeah. So the, the, the create, there's a, a large element of you which is creative as well as you've got the, the programming background, mm -hmm. haven't you? Because you've, you've been around since 2010, I think that's when you started Nyam Nyam. Well, so I started Nyam Nyam in 2010, but I've been making games for 12 years. So okay. at first, so yeah, I, I do have a computer science degree and I started uh, out in the games industry as a programmer. My first job was with a company called Acquire in Tokyo, Japan. Okay. And they did, uh, well, at the time, they mostly did ninja and samurai action adventure games. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of the Way of the Samurai series or Tenchu, Stealth Assassins. Oh, Tenchu, I had it on the PlayStation. Okay, yeah, that one. Yeah. And I was with them for four years uh, as a programmer and also did a little bit of design. And after four years, um, I decided to try out something else and I came to the UK and I worked for Rare and Connect Sports. Oh, wow. And then I had five years experience in AAA and I was like, okay, I want to try and do my own company. Yes. And so seven, yeah, it was seven years ago in 2010, I, I um, started Yum Yum. Yeah. And that's mm. what I've been doing since then. Wow. I mean, because, you, you know, seven years, you've obviously you've lasted and you, you put out one game. Mm -hmm. That's done really well. And you've got this game. So what are your sort of plans moving forward to create your own AAA, you think? If I could ever get the money to do it, then yes. Okay. But the, so one of the biggest difference between AAA and indie is just really that AAA, they have bigger budgets. And yes. so with bigger budgets, like you get like the wow, you know, the production, the production quality. This mm. is why all of the majority of AAA games, you know, they look amazing and they sound amazing. Yes. And obviously they also play, you know, really well because a lot of work went into that and a lot of money. Okay. And indie is more about, for me personally, you know, thinking a small scale, but really original. Like mm. as an indie, if you don't have a lot of money, there's no point trying to compete, uh, you know, with Call of Duty or Tomb Raider, Uncharted, um, yeah. because you don't have the money to compete. Okay. And so I think as indie, it's more about original concepts, uh, unique gameplay. Absolutely, And uh, yeah. that's really, that's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy doing that. Okay. But um, it would be lovely, you know, to have like a hundred million pounds <laughs> and <laughs> just be able, you know, to, to do an amazing AAA game. Yes, yes. What, what, because, you know, there will be people listening to the podcast that 
that are quite new, maybe they're a year in, year and a half or, or, or some. What kind of um, challenges have you found over the seven years, like going from the AAA into what you're doing now, which is original mm. indie stuff? The biggest challenges are really around business and marketing because after five years in AAA, I have a pretty, you know, I already had a, credit, a, a very solid foundation on how to make games. Yes. So I was comf I'm comfortable in my craft as a game developer, as a game maker, but I don't know a lot about how does the game business work, right. how does marketing work, how do I get people to actually know that a game like Astrologaster exists, mm. um, how, how, how can I get investment, you know, for my games, things like that are really difficult. And okay. it's, a, it's a very steep learning curve. Yes. I mean, obviously, you're coming to the, to the shows and you, you're showcasing it each time. Um, so when, when, when have you, how long have you been doing that with this, with Astrologaster? we showed for the first time at Eurogamer Expo in September 2017. Okay. And that was, we did that primarily to test the concept, to see how people react to it. I see. And to get playtesting. Yeah. And then we did a lot of changes. Um, based on that playtesting feedback that we got from Eurogamer Expo. And we showed it again at a Game Developers Conference this year. Yeah. We were in the Indie Megaboost Showcase. Then uh, we went to PAX East last weekend, okay. also with the Indie Megaboost. Um, and now we're at rest in the tentacle zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, because my, I mean, my brother, he's been working on the game mm -hmm. for four years and he's he's showing it off at uh, the shows and stuff. What, I mean, what do you find you get out of bringing it to the shows apart, apart from playtesting? Is there, is this what helps get it out there, getting getting that little bit of press at the... Uh, no, I think the number one reason to do shows is to do playtesting and get player feedback. Okay. And everything else is just a, an added bonus. So what sometimes happens at, at shows is, yeah, you can make really good press contacts and have good press interviews and press coverage. Yes. Uh, what could also happen is that you make contacts with platform holders, you know, people who work for Xbox, Nintendo, Sony. Yes. So that can help you with a, a store featuring when your game comes out, because that's really, I mean, if you can get store featuring, that's the best thing that will ever happen to you. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and it's a little bit of community building and audience building, because a lot of the people, especially here in, uh, in the UK, come to the shows over and over again. So people that I met at Eurogamer Expo last year are here again, and uh -huh. they come by and say hi, okay. and they want to know what's new with the game. Yep. Yeah. And obviously they can see the development from now, yes. from then mm. until now. And it's really nice to have that connection with the audience, right? Right. But um, the people, the number of people that see your game at a show is not going to make a, a, a big difference sales-wise. So you still need to find other, you need to do conventional marketing or find ways to get your word out, you know, Right. that people know about your game who do not go uh, to shows. Okay, okay. I mean, uh, as a stand-up comedian, the way I kind of get myself out there is, is doing shows mm -hmm. and then also Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of thing. But they are quite small drops in a massive ocean mm. of competition of people fighting to get themselves out. So in, in my case as a comedian or in your case as, as games, there's a lot of people yeah. putting out good games. How, how do you even get yourself, get yourself surfaced? Um, that's, no, that's not really, there's no easy answer to, to it. Um, mm. I can, I mean, so the way that I think about it is I always, um, 
try to come up with unique and innovative concepts. Okay. Because I know that um, other game developers will be interested in that. And if other game developers start talking about it, then often also the press will become interested in it. Ah, okay. And um, there's obviously an, an audience that's looking for unique, you know, for unique stuff. Yes. Um, people that have been with video games for a very long time and okay. are looking for new things that they're not aware of. Okay. Um, you know, submitting to awards is good. Submitting to independent festivals like Indicate, Amaze, um, yes. the IGF. It's just, you know, the thing is, you, you can't, you don't know if, if it's going to happen, right? There's mm. a lot of good games that never win any awards. Yeah. A lot of good games that never get any press coverage. So th there's not really an easy way to say this is how you do it. No. It's just you need to keep looking for these op opportunities, right? You need to keep trying and uh, be kind of like think on your feet. Right, <laughs> yes. When the opportunity arises, you, you need to be there. No, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. There's no... Well, there's an element of unknown as to, to how yes. things get out yeah. there because this is all art you know the games mm. there are and how these things surface but what was interesting is what you just said about getting other devs to talk about it because then that's kind of peers mm -hmm. appreciating the work that they're doing but someone else's game yes so that's that sounds to me like quite a you know that maybe that's part of the shows is everyone gets to know each other in that way and then mm -hmm. And then it kind of gets out there in that, in that respect. <laughs> um, so why, um, going back to the game, why, why did you choose like a comedy angle for this one? So I didn't want to make a serious game about astrology because I personally don't believe in astrology. Okay. But I, it's not like that, like I have a negative opinion or I don't judge people who believe in astrology, right? Okay, I do. And I... <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. um, when I did research for the game, what I found is that astrology is a really good tool for storytelling, or the astrology as a system is a very good tool for storytelling, and I could also see how it can help people as a thinking tool mm. to think about problems from a variety of angles. And so I did, I did want it to be um, a comedy, like, because I wanted people to be lighthearted in the way that they approach the astrology and I wanted people to be non-judgmental ah, in the way that they approach the astrology. So, um, but also I really think, you know, like Monty Python, for example, Black Adder is like a really, it's like a really great comedy, which is it also Black Adder 2 is in uh, Elizabethan England. Yes. And our game takes place in Elizabethan England. And um, it just seems like a really good fit, especially knowing that there are not that many comedy games and there are not that many Especially, I don't know any British comedy games, and okay. I think that that's a little bit strange, considering that British comedy is yes. like as uh, you know, as uh, in film and TV, okay, are very well, you know, are very well known around the world, and it, that seemed like a, a good opportunity for us um, to see what happens if you tr if you try to make a sitcom as a video game, right. So that's how we that's how we think about the comedy in Astrogasa. That's almost like a sitcom, or that's what we want it to be. Ah. It's a sit it's a sitcom game okay. in which you also do astrology. So you never played um, like the Secret of Monkey Island and those those games of that era. Yeah, I did play oh, them, okay. but I would say that that's American humor. Right. And uh, I think we wanted like a specific British humor angle. You okay. know, like looking at it's, yeah, I'd say it's a really Monty Python 
um, my my writer, so my writer Catherine knows more about it, but I think she really liked uh, the 70s and 80s uh, shows like Are You Being Served? Okay, yes. Um, and she really wanted to bring that to the game. Ah, right. Well, the new one, there's obviously the BBC is doing Upstart Crow, the Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare sitcom. I saw that with David Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, do you like it? Um, yeah, I enjoy it. Okay. I enjoy it. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, so you're quite on with the, obviously you're from Germany, but mm -hmm. you're quite you're quite on with the British humour. That's kind of you're quite in tune with that. Then. Yeah. Ah, did you grow up in in Germany watching a lot of English comedy then? Yeah, we did. There was a lot of Monty Python. Um, you know, faulty is was called Faulty Towers. Faulty right? Towers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you saw that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, then a little later, Mr. Bean was huge in Germany. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Okay. And all of the Monty Python movies were really, really big in Germany. You know, The Life of Brian oh, is, right? is uh, one of the, yeah, was oh. so funny. It's, it's a little weird with Monty Python because I did watch them uh, subbed, uh, subbed uh, well dubbed in German. Yeah. And the jokes are quite different to when you watch the original to the German jokes. I imagine they are. And um, yeah, that that's, uh, was... Uh, <laughs> Was uh, was quite um, interesting to find out how comedy localization works. Yes, um, and that sometimes they really they do rewrite the jokes uh, completely from one language to the other. So did you watch? Um, obviously, you've seen like mm. both versions. I have, yeah. So do you do you find the German one funny or the English I do, one? I do find the German one funnier. <laughs> 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 well, that's fair enough, but you have a German brain, so yeah. that's, that's probably why. No, no, they did a really good job on the localization of the German team. Okay. Because sometimes there's a, uh, there's a lot of um, American Hollywood comedies where they tried the same thing and that just falls flat. Yes. And uh, it's, um, yeah. Okay. Trans tr translating comedy is a huge challenge. Okay, yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, but the thing is, like in German, they, you do have a great, there's some great German comedians um, as well. Um, uh, if you go to a lot of comedy mm -hmm. clubs, maybe you don't see them. But um, and w when you look at the German language, because you have these big words yeah. to meet, like there's a, the word for, for grief, bacon. Yeah. What's that word? For? Grief, bacon. So when you eat because you've got so much grief. Ah, Stress essen. Is, is, okay. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> so you have all these words, but when you translate them into English, they're quite funny. Mm -hmm. and I, I, I don't know whether that's German humor or, or that is. Um, so I think it's both, it's German humor, but it's also because the German language allows uh, to make compound words really easily. Yes, it does. So, um, and in English, it doesn't work in that same, English language doesn't work in that same way. But no. the German language, so English is uh, really fast and quick. Yeah. And German is obviously quite long, mm. but because German is quite long, uh, people try to shortcut by making these compound words. Right. So you could say um, grief, you could say obviously a proper way for grief eating. Yes. But yes. because you want a shortcut, we're just like, oh, the concept is really grief eating. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so it, it, it puts a lot of, uh, it creates a lot of concepts by creating these new nouns. Yes. Yeah. I like the other one, high five to the face. <laughs> that was that five thing. I can't remember the word. What's that? High five to the face. Yeah, it's like um, slapping someone around. They need a slap. Gesichtswatsche. Yeah, probably. Yeah. There's another back from Pfeiffer. I can't remember. Back and Pfeiffer. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. Back and Pfeiffer. Yeah. <laughs>
Are you going to do a German version of your game? Um, if you can of afford it, yes. Okay. I want to do a really good job with the localization, and probably we need to get someone who's not only a translator, but also a writer, so that they can really translate the comedy and rewrite some of the jokes. A, to a German work. comedy writer specifically. Yeah. Ah, because yes. we so and we do we use a lot of. Um, so it's actually modern English that we are using, but then we are kind of like, ha we have fake Elizabethan words. Okay. So that the language sounds old without actually being old. Oh, you, you made up words yeah, for the yeah. game? Yeah, Catherine, my writer, she makes up a lot of words and she makes up a lot of kind of like Shakespearean vulgarities and swears. Oh, wow. Um, what well, can, can you think of, can you remember any of what we had? Uh, no. Sn sn oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm blanking. But no, that's she, okay. does, she does make she does make up a lot of she does make a lot of stuff, and, oh, and people respond that. to that really well. Yeah, because you get you get what it is, but it's not an actual swear word, but you do understand it. Yes. I think one is a brain shaded fat. Oh, I know I can't come up with it. No, that's okay. But it's okay. Yeah, she's the writer. Not she's you. the writer. I'm gonna talk to her. She, yeah. This sounds really fun. Yeah, she's she's very funny. I mean, I haven't had a chance to play the game because I, I, I just got was milling about the show doing podcasts, but it mm. sounds so much fun. It sounds like a really good game. It's a really good fun game to work on. Is there, um, is there a demo yet for it that people can download or anything? There's not no. really access. Or we do have a Steam store page, so people can add us to their wish list, and then when it comes out, they get a notification. We have a website, astrologasta.com. Okay. Okay, yes, and, of course. Yeah. Um, but there, obviously, you're, uh, the other game, um, just remind me of the pop-up. Kengami. Kengami. Um, that's out, so people can have it. Yeah, but, that's out. But there's no, there's no comedy in that. That's all no, serious. No, no, that's, uh, that's very serious. It's yes. very, um, it's, a, it's a very atmospheric game, very slow-paced for people that really like uh, beautiful visuals and playing with pop-up books. Okay. I like beautiful visuals. I haven't looked at a pop-up book since I was a kid, though. <laughs> so I think it's time to, to revisit, yeah. maybe. Are you a big, obviously, you're a pop-up book fan Yeah, yourself. I love pop-up books. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's Japanese, uh, obviously, art. Mm -hmm. um, why did you go for the Japanese slant with that one? It's really because um, Japan does a lot of very interesting things with paper. And ah, they have yes. a long tradition also in making their own paper. So, like, that, mm. they have um, origami paper. Of course, yeah. Um, but they have really so many types of papers that have amazing textures and amazing patterns. Okay. And uh, it's just really, it was a great inspiration for it to make a game that takes place in a paper world. Right. And of course, you spent so many years um, I did, yeah. out there and, and working on. Did you work on Tenchi, by the way? I did work on the Wii U version for a little bit. And uh, I worked on Way of the Samurai 3 for um, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're, all, they're all like heavy games. Yeah. Hardcore <laughs> games. So, um, what? obviously, you, you put your first game out. Mm -hmm. You're working on your second. Um, I spoke to another dev, and he said, until you've got your first game out, you don't ever think about any other projects. You get that mm -hmm. one out. But then once you've done that, you can have as many as you like on the go. So have you got, have you got other games in the pipeline as well? Um... I only work on one game at a time, but okay. I do. I think about game concepts a lot. Okay. So before I know that a lot of people start by just prototyping things, but I'm more of a. I need to really think stuff through right. before I'm like, okay, let's make a prototype for this. So I always like look for inspiration. Um, 
that could become an interesting concept that I want to maybe want to prototype later down the line. I see. So have you, I mean, you physically sit down and you make some notes on a few concepts mm -hmm. that you have. Yeah, a lot of notes, a lot of research. Yes. Yes. Oh, obviously like with this game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's quite serious research, going back to Cambridge <laughs> Uni and getting 16th century documents. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Are there any ideas that you can, you can talk about now? Or There's nothing wanna... that I can talk about okay. now. Um, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Well, look, I mean, you, you've, given, you've given me loads to go on anyway. Mm -hmm. um, the game, uh, you haven't got a launch date for the, you said end of this year, really. Or beginning of the next, year. Or beginning yes. next, okay. Will you have a demo or, or any kind of early access before, do you think? Or? No, if people want to play it, they have to come to a show where we're showing it. So where, where are you next showing it? I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> but if you go to astrologast.com. Yeah. People can have a look and get a feel of it. Uh, there are a few screenshots on there. I've seen that myself. Yeah, there's screenshots, and uh, or they can go to the Steam page. I think the Steam page has a, a video of an old version. Okay. But um, I'll update it after this show to show the progress that we've made. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll, there'll be links in the, in, the, mm -hmm. in the thing for the podcast. Yeah. Well, look, best of luck with the game. It, look, it looks wonderful. It sounds really funny, um, and uh, look forward to that release. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Jennifer. Right, thank you. All right, all the best. Cheers. Jennifer there talking about Astrolograsta. Astro I can't say the word properly, but you can read it and pronounce it. I have a problem with that. Astrologasta. Astrologasta. Right, I'm saying it now. Anyway, you can get in contact with her via uh, the details on the, the SoundCloud and the iTunes page. If you are in the games industry, uh, hit me up via my website, fatcomedian.com and we can do a podcast and get it out there and i hope you have a good week until next time Bye.